It was not until I turned 30 that I found out what my name meant. It turns out that the idea of stupid Americans is far, far more than just a stereotype. Shortly after my 30th birthday, I was having Shabbat dinner with a religious family in Israel who had taken me in when I had made Aliyah. We were identifying the meanings of the names of all the folks sitting at the table. All Israelis tend to know what their main names mean, generally speaking. However, they kind of have an advantage in this regard. Israelis name their children largely with Hebrew words, some from the Torah, some not. If one's name, for example, is Chaim, Chaim, well, that's easy. His name means life because all Israelis and also plenty of non-Israelis know that Chaim, Chaim, means life. In English, if someone were to be named, say, Crystal or Love or Grace or Joy, no English speaker would have any trouble telling those folks what their names mean. But in America, children are rarely given names which are themselves English words. You can't go out into nature and find a Steve. When someone asks you how your day was, you can't answer that it was very Marvin. We have all of these names which are simply not words. Names like Henry and Thomas and Alex and Jessica and Jennifer and Brittany and Marshall and Brad. And nobody knows what any of these names mean. In fact, I would surmise that most people, at least in America or only in America, do not even think their names have a meaning at all, anywhere, anytime. They're just nonsense words, sounds the mouth happens to make when addressing other humans. This is what I thought, after all, until I was 30, already with an advanced degree behind me. When I told this family I didn't know what my name meant, they looked at me horrified. After all, I had just been introduced to children named Splendor and Graceful Woman and Enlighten and dear of the dawn. And I didn't even know what my own name meant. I said, my name doesn't have a meaning. It's just Steve. The mother, a kind woman named String, looked at me and shook her head. Of course your name has a meaning. All names have meanings. Go look it up after Shabbat. As it would turn out, she was correct. I googled the meaning of the name Steve some days later. Steve, short for Stephen, comes from the Greek word Stephanos, which means crown in Greek. So, my name meant crown. Didn't know that before. This little piece of information has been surprisingly handy. Now when people ask me what my name means, I have an answer. Crown. It means crown. Are Americans really that stupid? As it turns out, they just might be. Because while I may have had an excuse for not knowing the meaning of my first name, surely I should have known what my last name, my family name, meant. Weinberg. But once more, I never thought to investigate this detail. It just never occurred to me. Nor did I think to ask what the last names of my Jewish friends meant, many of which sounded an awful lot like my own. Steinberg, Weinblum, Goldberg, Scharfberg, Weinstein, Weintraub, Wine gold. 
lots of bergs, lots of wines, and lots of other strange pieces of words, which sometimes sounded English, but other times sounded like some distant cousin of English, some exotic, mysterious, scrunched up version of English, which I had never heard and would never hear. Incubit lingua germanica. Once I began learning German, I discovered rather immediately that all of these Jewish last names were German words. The two words in my last name, Wine and Berg, are both 101 vocabulary words in German. Wine means wine. Berg means hill or mountain. In German, wine tends to grow on hillsides, hence a Weinberg, a Weinberg, is a hill of wine, or better put, a vineyard, which interestingly is also two words. With all of these other Jewish last names as well, it's the same story. The word for rock in German is Stein, so Steinberg would mean something like Rocky Mountain. The word for tree in German is Baum, so Greenbaum would equate to Green Tree, and Greenberg would of course be Green Mountain. Across America, millions and millions of Jews are sporting cute German words in their last names, typically German colors like Schwartz, Black, and Weiss, White, or German nature words like Teich, Pond, or Wasser, Water, or Feld, Field, or German food words like Nuss, Nut, or Kirsche, Cherry. If I had not learned German, however, I might have never learned what my last name meant. It certainly would have gone under the radar for a very, very long time, I believe. I once was at another Shabbat dinner in Israel, and there I was speaking to an American girl who was, like me, teaching English in the desert city of Beersheba to elementary school kids. She told me that her ancestors came from Poland. Look at my blonde hair, she said. That's how you know I'm Polish. She did have blonde hair, but it was not blonde because of her Polish roots, no pun intended. She just had blonde hair because some people have blonde hair. Jews from Poland generally do not ethnically resemble the Catholics from Poland. The reason for this lack of resemblance is that, well, the two groups were largely isolated from each other and did not mate with each other very much, if ever, throughout their mutual history. I told her this. Your hair isn't blonde because you're from Poland. You're Jewish. You're from a different ethnic group than the Catholic Poles, who are far more predisposed than we are to have blonde hair. She did not like my answer and argued with me, swearing I was wrong. Eventually, I just dropped it. Better quit playing with God. Soon as they like you, make them unlike you. Cause kissing people ass is so unlike you. The only rapper compared to Michael. So here's a few hating ass niggas to fight you. 
Many Jews, I think, do not realize they have German last names because their ancestry is not German. Their ancestors are from Poland or Hungary or what was once called Czechoslovakia, so they assume that their last name is Polish or Hungarian or Czechoslovakian. Anything. Anything but German. But our last names are German, even if we do not have German ancestors. The reason for this is simple. Eastern European countries, like Poland and Hungary and the Czech Republic, were not independent nation-states in the late 18th and early 19th centuries when Jews began to take on last names. They were territories of empires. One of these empires was the Austrian Habsburg Empire, whose official language was German. Another of these empires was the Prussian Empire, whose official language was also German. And so, Polish Jews, if we may call them that, took on German last names. We know from Franz Kafka's diaries that he was very interested in his own name, obsessed even. The name Kafka means nothing in German, just as Weinberg has no meaning in English, other than he's probably a lawyer. But in Czech, a language which Kafka also spoke, Kafka means jackdaw, which is a bird in the crow family. In his stories, Kafka names none of his characters Kafka, but nevertheless, manifestations of this name appear everywhere. The protagonist of The Metamorphosis is Gregor Samza, and the protagonist of the trial is Joseph K, or in German, Josef K. In his diaries, Kafka even explains the connection between his last name and the names of his characters. About the protagonist of his short story, The Judgment, named Georg Bendemann, Kafka wrote, quote, Benda has exactly the same number of letters as Kafka, and the vowel E is repeated in the same place as the vowel A in Kafka. In another diary entry, Kafka ponders over his Hebrew name. He writes, quote, My Hebrew name is Amshel, like the maternal grandfather of my mother. He was a very learned and pious man with a long white beard, which remains a vivid memory of him for my mother. Unquote. Names from the Torah are no small matter. I have often wondered why so many parents name their children after biblical figures who are themselves not only flawed but occasionally criminals. Reuben? He was the firstborn son of Jacob, but he also had sex with his father's mistress, Bilhah. I'm not saying that means Reuben is a bad person, but if I were naming my kid, I would rather he or she be named after someone who didn't sleep with his father's girlfriend. Simon? He was Jacob's second son. So far, so good. But he also went into the town of Shechem to kill all of the men who had just been circumcised in order to avenge the alleged rape of his sister, Dina. Again, I'm not here to pass judgment on Simon, but there are so many names out there of guys and gals who didn't savagely sack and plunder villages. So why choose this one? In the Haftarah for the Parsha of Pinchas, we read from the first book of Kings. The story in these verses concerns King Ahab, his wife Jezebel, and the prophet Elijah. I have always been particularly interested in Queen Jezebel. I find this name to be so beautiful. You know, it's Bel, which is good, and a Jezza in front of it. Jezza Bel. Not bad. It sounds like it could be some exotic Persian musical instrument or something. But Jezebel does not live up to her name. 
She is one of the Torah's most tyrannical and bloodthirsty figures. She ordered the people of Israel to begin worshiping pagan gods again. She purged Hebrew prophets from Israel, including Elijah. Yet, Jezebel and its corollaries, Isabel or Isabella, remain popular names throughout the world. In fact, deciding whether to figure out what your name means is actually a rather deep philosophical question. To ignore the meaning of one's name is to treat language as pure, uncorrupted. In Judaism, the only name which is totally pure is God's name, which itself has no meaning but simply is. God's name is the only name which can mean without being reduced to meaning, if that makes sense. In this regard, God's name is heard in the way babies might hear words, not as signposts toward meaning, but as sounds solely for their own sake. In my case, before I knew that my name meant crown, I associated myself purely with the sound, the tone of Steve. The same could be said for Weinberg or Vineyard. By discovering that my name is really Crown Vineyard, I reduced language from music to information. This was indeed quite a lot of information. Information about the Greek language, about Jewish history, about American culture, about the partition of Poland. But still, it was just information. On one hand, this was a step forward in that my name transformed from gibberish into rich content. But on the other hand, this was a step backward, as Steve Weinberg was no longer a free being, unfetteredly floating in the ether. In fact, this was probably what fascinated Kafka most of all about his name, that it simultaneously had and did not have meaning. Kafka's The Metamorphosis opens with the lines that Gregor Samza awoke one morning from troubling dreams to find himself in his bed, transformed into a giant insect. But the transformation which occurs is always kept in question. Physically, Samza changed into a bug, yet mentally, he remained the same human, Samza. In a sense, Samza is caught, or rather imprisoned, between two ends of the spectrum of transformation. This space of undecidability also occurs between the word Kafka and the crow bird, between Kafka and his character Samza, between Jezebel the sound and Jezebel the symbol. My life tip then would be to investigate the meaning of your name, if you dare.